You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young, Bob Huesler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. Well, we'll welcome you once again to Open Court with Jay Young, your podcast place for Fairfield basketball, along with the coach, I'm Bob Huesler, joined by my broadcast partner, the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis. And today we are also pleased to welcome to the podcast two of the unsung heroes of any basketball team, two of the Stags' walk-ons, car Jack Mullally and forward Jack Brown. Mark Henry would have joined us today, uh, but unfortunately he has a scheduled conflict, so a shout-out to Mark, who is also part of this outstanding Fairfield group. The uh, Stags are now 11-14, 7-8 in the MAC after a much-needed win this past Sunday against Mount St. Mary's. And Fairfield back on the court this week with the game on the road Friday against Marist and then returning home on Sunday afternoon to play Manhattan. As uh, we've been doing, we'll kick things off at the Open Court Challenge. Stag's trivia question. We'll give you the answer at the end of the podcast. In Sunday's win against the Mount, T.J. Long scored 21 points, and he was a perfect 9-for-9 nine nine from the free-throw line, which got me thinking and came up with a Fairfield player who, as part of a big scoring night, had 21 points from the free-throw line. He was 21 for 23 from the line. That's the Fairfield record for most free throws taken and made in a game. So who is that Fairfield player who holds the record for most free throws taken and made in a single game? It is uh, not you, Joe. You probably are among the uh, near the top of that list. You may have an idea of who it is. Don't tell us, but do you have an idea who that might be? Uh, no, you're going to have to give me time to think about that Think one. about it, and I'll give you a hint. You I'm going to go with a big man. <laughs> Well, you were, uh, I'll give you a hint, the big one. You were there when it happened. So uh, the Fairfield record, who he 21 for 23 from the line, most free throws taken and made in the game well before the Jacks' time. So uh, maybe, well, they've probably heard the name. We'll get it to you at the end of the podcast. And, Jay, getting back to uh, that effort from uh, T.J. Long and your team on Sunday, much needed, the uh, comeback victory against Mount now that a few days have passed and you've had a chance to just take in the significance of that win, does it mean more to you when you look at the tape and say, okay, you know, this is, this is what the team needed to do and, you know, sucked it up and got that collective effort uh, on the board there to pull out what, as I said, is a much-needed victory? I thought it was monumental right after the game ended. So, uh, you know, we had been struggling, uh, lost four in a row and, uh, you know, just needed a win. And we had really nothing going on in that game. Uh, we were step slow on offense, two steps slow on defense, and somehow found a way to get that thing tied um, and get into overtime and win it. So right after it ended, I knew what that meant for our program and, you know, after I watched the film, uh, you know, made a couple plays down the end and, and benefit of a couple fouls by them, too, that helped us. So it was a huge day for us because we just desperately needed to win. Guys, uh, why don't you take us into the huddle uh, during the breaks in that game, late in the game. Uh, we'll start with you. We'll go with Jack M and Jack B. Jack M, we'll start with you. What do the guys on the bench do to stay involved and be a part of what in this case was an important comeback victory. Yeah, I think a lot of it's just supporting the guys on the team. You know, we we take a lot of time to scout plays during the week. 
So yelling out plays from the bench and making sure everyone's in tune with what coverage is to be in, where to force the ball. Uh, sometimes guys leak out, so getting guys' attention. And then when they come to the bench, just making sure their hopes are high and no one's dragging their heads down. So just keeping the, the morale up during the game is pretty huge. Which was especially important on Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah. What were the kinds of things, Jack Brown, that you do to try and make sure you're a part of uh, energizing the team during a comeback like that? Yeah, the biggest thing, as Jack said, was definitely uh, looking for plays that we, uh, we've we scouted and calling them out. But I'd say I like to just pick up guys that are down and see, see uh, staying positive and being supportive as a teammate. Anybody in particular that you helped pick uh, up on something? For me in particular, I like to stay on Jake Wojcik. I, that's, I'm, that's a guy that gets down pretty easily, and I like to stay on top of him because – I don't know. He gets down and he needs it. I say more than anyone. You didn't have to worry about that though on Sunday. Unfortunately, no, yeah, Jake no. wasn't on the floor. He'll be back uh, soon, though. Yeah. Okay. We'll get into that later with uh, Coach Young. I know Joe had something. Yeah, uh, Jay, um, Bob, you're gonna help me with this. So I think it was Lafew who hit the four-point play. Yeah. Right. Yep. The three and the one, the free throw, and that made the lead nine. Right. Do you? What was the? What was the time left? But three oh five. It was bleak. And yeah, three of. We actually yeah. showed that today from that point. Okay. To overtime to the guys. So, I don't know if you're going to give me an honest answer. Are you distracted when you're, you know, you know you're in a rut. The, the feeling's not good in the gym. Not a great crowd for obvious reasons. You're down nine. You've lost four in a row. How hard is it for you to maintain your focus to get these guys to win? Are you sitting there going, oh, boy, we're going to lose now? I'm, no. I You know, I'm just trying to think of, of a way to get us going and to push a button or to keep us positive. Cause I'm, I'm, you know, like we've been in on the other side of those things where we've been up seven, you know, and lost close ones. And so, you know, if, if you've been around the game long enough, how quickly things can turn. And, uh, you know, as a coach, as a player, you've probably been in a bunch of games on either side where, you know, seven and nine, obviously you, the odds are against you, but, um, I think we had a, we were up what uh, seven last year with a minute thirty five against UMass and they got the game into overtime and we lost. So uh, you're just trying to make a play, guide him along, and you know hopefully you know make the right decisions to help him. But uh, you know I I still thought even with a with the play you know that if you, you we had timeouts left too and and you can kind of manage the clock that you know obviously a lot of things got to go your way which they did. But there's at that point I'm not. I'm certainly not feeling great about the game, but but know that you can get back in it with a couple plays. Well, in this particular instance, if memory serves me right, AJR, Alan Jean Rose, took it down the lane, got fouled, stops the clock, hits a couple of free throws. This is after that Lafeu four-point play. Uh, was that a play call? Did he take matters into his own hand? Because I thought that didn't. Well, that, that was a big spark. So they reached in and gave us two free throws with with within a matter of seven seconds after that. Uh, play. So we called his number on a play. He drove it. It was a reach-in foul. Okay. And uh, so we went over that today. We got a little lucky. They helped us stop the clock. We scored. Now it's seven. And, uh, you know, we got to stop. And then we had a big uh, play with a three-point play by Supreme. So then it gets right down to four. So, uh, you know, things went our way and we did just, just enough to get that thing to overtime. Before that game against Mount, you guys had lost four in a row, including two against the first-place team. And those were games that essentially were were won before you lost against Ryder. I mean, the old, you know, snatching uh, <laughs> snatching 
a defeat from the jaws of victory, as the old dopey cliche goes. So I was wondering, after especially that second of the two losses to Ryder, the one on the road, if you were worried at all about keeping the collective confidence of this team intact. I don't. I was more worried about, you know, and I th- thought we had this a little hangover from a loss like that, which can happen. Um, you know, they've been a good group to work with. I didn't think we had a great day on Saturday. We were obviously really upset about the loss. Uh, the positives, we went on the on the road with, you know, eight scholarship guys and, and obviously Jack and, and uh, both Jacks here. But uh, – and we, we – you know, did what we needed to do to win the game. We didn't finish the game. We've played them twice now, and we haven't played 40 minutes. We've played 19:30 and 19:27 uh, or whatever it was. So you got to play 40 minutes to win that game. So that's frustrating. But you know, you go away from that game, and obviously, Rise a very good team, and uh, you feel that you're right there. You just got to make a couple more plays. So it it seems like going into the Mount game. You could almost predict it was going to be a game like that. Two teams that rely on defense. Um, both teams have men down. You had a couple. They had DeAndre Thomas. Talk to me about the zone. You played a little zone. How much, and I know we talked after the game about that, how much did that help you, and is that something now, is that going to be in your bag of tricks? Well, it helped us trem- tremendously. They went one for five against it, and we had a steal, big steal. So... Uh, they shot 20% against our the possessions we were in zone and it, it disrupted their rhythm a little bit. Um, it wasn't perfect by any means. We missed a bunch of stuff slides because we haven't practiced it. I mean, it's not, not our guy's fault. But I thought just the change of look took them out of rhythm a little bit and we had the big turnover late in the game that TJ stole the ball and they tried to throw it and he converted that to us. So I thought that was the key to the game. It really won us the game because it got them out of what they were trying to do and um, – like I said, it, if you, when you look at it, it, wasn't we missed a bunch of slides and we were kind of out of position on a couple of things. But you know, they they missed and uh, and we were able to take advantage of that. How many other uh, things do you have in that bag of tricks that you might need to unfold down the stretch here? Well, you know, we we, we work on different stuff. We're we're down bodies right now, and we're not sure about the timetable when those guys are coming back. So I'm conscious of that. The, the problem is you're at the point of the year where you're playing Friday, Sunday. You're giving them a day off. The next day's for film. So to put stuff new in, it, it takes a little time. So you don't have a lot of time. People think you've got an infinite amount of time right now. You, you don't. You, and then you're preparing, like all of our game prep for the most part was on Maris today. So we're trying to throw a couple of wrinkles in, but it's difficult to do that with the amount of practice time that you have left. I, I, I It leads me right into uh, the question. I'm looking at the numbers here you have up on the screen with Gardner is really the only legitimate scoring is there going to be something, and I know we're jumping ahead, Bob, so excuse me. We usually don't talk about the opponent to the end of the podcast. So you, are you working on things maybe to neutralize him? Well, we did a that good – normally you don't do. Um, not so much normally we don't do. We did a really good job on him last time, and he only had 13 points on us. And uh, I thought we did a good job of kind of keeping the ball away from him. You know, the, the best way to stop a guy like Gardner is not let him touch it as much as he can. And A.J. – other guys got him too, Supreme, AJ. Uh, but AJ did a really good job, I thought, on him. And we moved him off his spots a little bit. But hes they're playing a little differently. They're playing him a little more at the five. Uh, and, uh, you know, a little, little less of him at the four. So it presents some challenges for us if Supreme has to guard him and that type of thing. But he's 
he's got ridiculous offensive numbers. I don't know if there's a player in the country who does more for a team than he does. So um, he's going to be a heck of a challenge. I want to get back to something that uh, Joe and I asked you uh, after the game, the win against Mount St. Mary's. Uh, we asked you about a spot in the first half when you um, – protested loudly a non-call you got in the face of one of the officials and joe and i both thought on the air that it was as hot as we've ever seen you uh in your coaching tenure here at fairfield um was that the culmination of just you know what had been going on trying to uh, was the frustration boiling over was that was that as hot as you've been on the sideline for us uh yeah i'm usually pretty calm on the sideline and and my uh, it was probably it was a combination of frustration from Friday night this game where where uh, I thought some some things could have gone differently uh, of frustration that I thought there was a legitimate missed call there that could have probably got led right to two points for us which baskets are tough and uh, you know try to quite honestly probably trying to get these guys going a little bit because I felt that we you know anything to get those and sometimes you know uh, that helps. Um, so the combination of those three things, I would say. Yeah. Um, I want to bring the Jackson on that issue, if you don't mind, Coach, <laughs> uh, because I know the uh, the Jay Young that we see during a game isn't necessarily the Jay Young that uh, matches up personality-wise in a practice. Jack M., I'll let you handle that part of it, the other side of uh, Coach Young. He can be pretty intense in practices, as Joe and I have both seen uh, firsthand. Nah, never. never. <laughs> Good job, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's usually warranted what we're getting yelled at for. Uh, I think most guys respond to it the right way. And, I mean, my whole life coaches have yelled at me, so it doesn't really get under my skin at all. Kind of just take the positives and grow from grow from it. Yeah, Jack Brown, I see you nodding your head in agreement there. Yeah, I mean, we all just know that uh, Coach Young wants the best for us. So when he gets on us, we know that it's for a good reason and he sees something. So uh, in practice, when he gets mad, it's – it's, it's, I guess it's for the right reason is all I can say. I have one question for the both of you. Who on the team does the best imitation of Coach Young? That's a good question. Former player John Kelly, I would say. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> That's why he's not here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what is the, uh, Jack Brown, what is the most important thing uh, in a practice in terms of being able to do what Coach Young is asking you to do. What do you need to pay most most attention to when you arrive and you're in a mental, the right mental frame of mind, getting ready for a practice? What are uh, the things for me? I'd say uh, just not letting anything outside of uh, practice uh, bring it in with you. Just come in with the right mindset every day, just to work as hard as you can, and not and just not let anything outside practice affect you. Because sometimes, I mean, I know it happens to me. I'll let like whatever it is, schoolwork or my mom on me just get just let me down and I'll come into practice and have a bad day so I just know that if I let those things affect me then it'll happen in practice so just coming in with the right, right mindset every day is yeah. big for me. And we'll talk about your mom in a, in a few minutes. <laughs> uh, some of our listeners may not know that uh, when Jack Brown's mom speaks up then it pays it, it, it will pay yeah, uh, you She dividends. can get in my head pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but she she's coming from a good place. Mm -hmm, for sure. And, and Jack Mullally, same same thing about uh, when you go to a Fairfield practice, what are the most important things you need to keep in mind as you're preparing to execute a good practice? Uh, I kind of just get locked in pretty easily. Uh, definitely now at this point, I see the light that's at the end of the tunnel, so trying to take every practice. I remember freshman, sophomore years, some of last year, 
sometimes it would really drag. But now I'm getting towards the end, so I'm really trying to treasure these last few practices that we have and make the most of these days. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about that. You're a graduating senior, so certainly we're interested in uh, knowing uh, what is in your future. Uh, I wanted to get back to um, a couple of players that you're dealing with now in terms of injuries, uh, Coach, and that, of course, is uh, Chris Mido. And also uh, we mentioned already Jake Wojcik. Let's start with Jake because he is the, um, the infamous game-to-game with the shoulder injury. So as we get closer to the next game on Friday against Maris, what is his status? He was a little better today, you know, didn't practice, uh, you know. I don't want to say he's out for Marist. I'd be surprised if he played at where he's at right now, but so it legitimately is day-to-day. But, um, you know, he's going to have to practice a little bit as we go down towards the end of the week. So I, I'm really not sure. It's just a matter of how quickly we can get his, his range of motion in his shoulder is better, but not to the point where he can play right now. So it's just going to come down to where he's at. You know, Thursday, Friday. And he sustained that injury in the game at home against Diona. It was just uh, – he just, what, he ran into somebody or – Yeah, just – I really didn't even see the play and didn't know it till after the – really the next day. Um, and then I went back and I watched the film and he just kind of caught it against, you know, one of their guys and you could see him kind of, you know, moving it like it was sore and it just got worse, you know, through the night. And it's, his, and it's his shooting shoulder. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, Chris uh, underwent uh, – no, I catch myself there. He has a knee injury, no surgery, which was the good news. Didn't under, undergo any procedure. Uh, at the time of the injury, the prognosis was two to four weeks. So, on the optimistic side, he could return even maybe later this month. But that's very optimistic, isn't it? What – if you were to give your prognosis right now, again, from just a guessing yeah. standpoint, what would it be? Uh, it's a good question. I'm I'm hoping we can have him maybe for Quinnipiac at the end of the season and maybe the tournament, but I really don't know right now. Um, certainly we'll be out this weekend. You know, the perfect world if he heals quickly. He had a shot yesterday in his knee, so hopefully that'll help. Um Maybe Canisius and Niagara, but that would be super optimistic. So Mido's out. What's your rotation with Chrysler and Makai Willis? What 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 are you what are your uh, your thought process with um, playing alongside Cook and maybe even backing up Supreme? Yeah, it'll be those certainly that that rotation, and then moving AJ to the four too for some some minutes there, depending on matchups. That's what it's come down to. Um, so if those guys, it's just it's really a matchup thing at this point, Joe. Like who can that's who we're going with at that four spot. We feel that we got enough to back up Supreme at the five. It's just that four becomes tricky. Uh, Makai was good uh, against Ryder the other night, and James is a big physical kid, and, and Makai could cover someone like that. If people go small at the four, uh, it's going to be a little more difficult, and then, you know, that's where AJ kind of moves to that position. So could you ever play, like I'm thinking about this Maris game with Gardner, could you ever play AJ at the five? Uh, you know, to do that, you're taking Supreme out of the game. Well, so, if he's in foul trouble or, you yeah, know. Yeah, I, I never thought about it. I just think that AJ at the five, um, certainly there's a little advantage for him offensively because they'd have to cover him too. But, um, you know, I just think he's going to be a four or three for us and we're going to still play a big guy alongside him. You often talk about getting back into the the gym and working on the things you need to improve. And, you know, time is now a factor. Just 
five games to go in, in the regular season, then it's time for Atlantic City. So if I were to ask you, okay, with time winding down and only five regular season games left before you get ready for the MAC tournament, what are the most important things that you need to do in terms of improving between now and Atlantic City? We're going to have to find some offense here down the stretch. You know, when we, we got into the tournament, we made that great run the other uh, two years ago. Two things were happening. We were really starting to play our best defense of the year. We were, we'd kind of started to click. So that carried us into the tournament. And we found just enough offense in the tournament to get us to that final game. Um, our numbers weren't great, but we made some threes. Jesus had a really good tournament for a shooting. He had, had come in and had not made a lot of threes. So we're going to have to find a, a little bit of offense here down the stretch to make a few more baskets and, uh, and play elite defense. How doable is that? I think it's very doable. We, we, you know, we have, we've had moments for sure um, where we've been good, and individually we now collectively got to get a couple of guys, especially at that guard spot, playing well on the same night. All right, let's uh, turn our attention back to our, our guests. And the same question for, uh, for both of you. We'll start with Jack M. right across from me. And the question is, a, is an easy one. Almost all walk-ons uh, at mid-major programs have had an opportunity or considered an opportunity to play maybe you know on a more regular basis at another mid-major or a lower mid-major or D2 or a D3. What were your uh, options coming out of high school, Jack? Uh, honestly, I was pretty under-recruited coming out of high school. I only had like two Division three offers. Uh, I guess my size really didn't help me in that. So I got the opportunity to come here, and I always just thought get to the highest level and try to – or not the highest, but get to a certain level. And my whole life I've just worked. I usually start on teams on the bench, and I didn't end up necessarily playing here, but I definitely had a bigger impact in practice over the years and definitely got a lot better at basketball, so – it was a challenge. I not as big of a challenge that I've gone through in the past, but something that I was willing to go through. What, I definitely made the right decision. What brought you to Fairfield? Uh, we're I have friends with people at Rutgers who knew Coach Young, so they kind of put us in touch a little bit. And I'd already been applying to Fairfield. It was a school that had already caught my eye, and then God works in mysterious ways. So, so when you decided to come here, you had contact with the coaching staff. Yeah. So was your walk-on spot guaranteed? Was there a tryout process? Uh, I didn't know that I was going to be a walk-on necessarily coming in, but the first 24 hours of getting to school, I knew that. So I guess that summer was a bit of a question mark for me. But The first call I got from Jack about being a walk-on was from the late, great Tom Kachowski. So when he calls you and recommends right. someone to be a walk-on, he's going to be a walk-on. Yeah. And uh, he was right on, like Tom always was, on everything about Jack, character, player, the, the whole package. Jack, you played uh, Xavier High School, a uh, good high school in uh, in New York City. Tell us a little bit about your high school career. Yeah, we, I had a lot of fun at Xavier. Uh, played all four years. Uh, my senior year, we were we were pretty good, 15-4 uh, and four to start the year. Then a couple of us got hurt and ultimately didn't come to the best ending, but Xavier was a great place. I had a great high school coach, Coach McGrain. He taught me a ton about the game. And uh, I love Xavier. Loved everything about it. And uh, Jack Brown, uh, I have a feeling I, that your mom had a big role in your decision to come to Fairfield. And let me just tell our listeners who your mom is in case they don't know. 
Uh, Jack's mom is Lynn Friel, who was a point guard here at Fairfield, played for Diane Nolan, won two MAC championships uh, here at Fairfield. She's a close friend of Trish Saka, who is now Trish Saka Fabry, who is the head coach at Quinnipiac. And so you knew a lot about Fairfield uh, from your mom. How much did she play into your decision to come uh, It definitely factored in my decision for me. I went to prep school, and I was actually my recruitment was kind of during the pandemic. So I had D2 offers, but I couldn't visit any of the places. And Fairfield was somewhere I came since I was young, and I was really comfortable with this school. So I was talking to one of the assistant coaches too, and it just felt like it was the right place and the right time to make the decision because I couldn't really visit anywhere and I was really comfortable at Fairfield. And my mom played here, obviously, so she was just like pushing for it, obviously, at the same time. And once I talked to Coach Young, I just felt like it was in the right place because like, I knew that he had walked on somewhere and it was just like he would understand what it was like because it's definitely not easy being in this position. And he, he understanding that, I feel like, was a big uh, influence in, on my decision. And, and your dad played as well. Tell us a little bit about him. Uh, yeah, my dad played a little bit. I went, He played JV at uh, University of Delaware back when they had it. So, But he was pretty good. That's where I got my hype from. But, uh, yeah, he's he's probably more into basketball than I'd say my mom is just because all my siblings play. So, it's yeah, it's a pretty big deal. My brother, my brother played D3 at uh, University of Scranton as well. Coach, uh, tell us uh, how many prospective uh, – well, how many students or prospective – players approach you here at Fairfield and ask for an opportunity to be a walk-on? A lot. Yeah, we get a lot of emails, a lot of uh, uh, people uh, calling or coaches of uh, people that I, you know, coaching buddies of mine that will call on record. So, you know, we do get a lot of them. And um, I say this all the time. We, we've we got three of the best, Mark Henry included, obviously, three of the best uh I don't even like to use the term walk-ons because they're, they're members of the team and, and they're great teammates. They, they've gotten so much better as players and, and uh, they're so competitive in practice. And academically, uh, they knock it out and help the team GPA too, which is which is key. <laughs> uh, so I, I really feel blessed to be around these guys. I, I mean, these guys are future CEOs. They're, they're, hopefully, they'll have a spot in the company for me one day, but uh, mm-hmm. they're tremendous young men. Uh, who have done such a great job for our program. So, um, you know, I, I really feel blessed to be around these guys every single day. Certainly high praise for uh, both of you guys. And, uh, Jack, you, you just told us a few minutes ago that uh, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. That's both uh, athletically and and academically. And I know you were a National Honor Society guy in high school, and that's no mean feat at your high school. Uh, I know you haven't dropped off here at Fairfield. So what are you pursuing academically and what, where do you want to be a CEO someday? <laughs> uh, so I'm getting, I'm majoring in finance. Uh, didn't necessarily like that too much, but, uh, my dad's in insurance and has his own company. So I think I'm going to go down that field, but, uh, going to try to take a summer off, figure that out, kind of put, let my dad handle some of that while I enjoy my last summer of freedom. How about uh, remaining connected to basketball? Uh, you see yourself uh, – well, you'll, you'll always play, uh, but how about coaching or staying involved in another capacity? Yeah, I'll definitely – I'm going to go back to Xavier, help out there a bit. Uh, locally in Rockaway, help out where I can. I'll, I'll, I'll always have a place for basketball in my heart, and I'll always help out, so – and uh, Jack Brown, you're a junior, so you still have a year to go. Um, tell us about uh, what you want to do between now and uh, when we're sitting here talking to you next year about your last few laps. 
Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I haven't thought as much about the future as Jack, and I'm also a finance major, but for some reason, I haven't really found a love for that. I assume I found myself sitting in a class watching basketball, which is probably not the best thing, but <laughs> I guess for me, I want to be involved in basketball in some capacity, maybe more than Jack, uh, but I'm not really sure what that is yet. Well, you still have certainly no reason to rush it. Believe me, it goes by fast once, uh, once you reach that point. Uh, I want to just ask both of you guys – about your your teammates and matchups, uh, Jack Mullally, we'll start with you. Who is the toughest matchup that you have in practice, uh, either now or maybe player who has already come through the program? To defend or yes. guard yeah. me? Uh, you know, both ways if you want to do it. Look at it that way. <laughs> None of them can guard me. So <laughs> Defensively, uh, Caleb's pretty fast and strong. He's kind of annoying to uh, guard. And Woj. Woj is really shifty. He's tough to guard. Okay. Jack, Jack Brown? Yeah, for me, I have to play forward sometimes. So when I get switched on to Supreme, I'd say there's, it's not very easy for me to guard him in the post. Can anybody guard you? Obviously, nobody can guard me. I feel like, yeah. So I got another one for both of you. Who's the biggest prankster on the team? I'm going to go with Zach Chrysler. <laughs> really? Yeah. Big He's got a, like a sarcastic yeah, type. Yeah, really sarcastic type. That answer surprises me. Yeah, he tries to play it off like he's not, but it's definitely him. I think Jack would agree with me, too. I'm going to say you. (laughs) (laughs) Two Philadelphia guys, meaning uh, Chrysler and Philadelphia area guys, and Jack Brown. Maybe there's uh, more to that connection than than we know, Philly guys. Um, We're talking about you two guys and your teammates, and I really wanted to ask you, because we haven't yet this year, the progress of the two red shirts, uh, both Ant Davis and Michael Rogan. Uh, how are they coming along? What are the, what are, what does the future hold for both of those guys? Yeah, both those guys have been great. They've been on, uh, they've been teammates of Jack and Jack on the scout team, and uh, that's a good position to be in. We always use Mike kind of as the best scorer from the other team, and he tease that thing up and can shoot it and ants really gotten a lot better and they're working hard in the weight room um even yesterday they take going in on their days off to work hard so i think the year is going to be really beneficial for both of those guys they've gotten faster stronger and obviously practicing every day has certainly helped them and i know that joe has already brought up maris a little earlier in the podcast talked a lot about patrick gardner Uh, that's the next game on the schedule for you if we could just summarize the keys to uh, making sure you sweep the season series from them all, it's going to be tough. You're on the road this time. What are the keys to that game? Yeah, I think it's 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 really Gardner when he scores 20 or more that they, they usually win, and uh, he's on a he's on a rampage right now. So we've got to do a great job with him. But the other guys started up like Ferris is playing much better. Brickner is a little bit of a different player than when we played him the first time. So uh, they're shooting a little bit a bit more a little better lately. But I think, you know, the challenge for us is when Gardner is going to move to that five spot and, and the job we do on him then. Um, but he's certainly a huge key because no player in the country really gives a uh, – is, is more important to a team offensively than he is. And this is uh, this is where the scout team comes into uh, play. Uh, Jack and Jack. Jack, and we'll start with you. Uh, how, how difficult is it on a, on a game-to-game basis as you assume the role of the opponent – that Fairfield is going to face and uh, are part of that scout team. How tough is it to, you know, make those transitions? Uh, scouting for the Friday games isn't that bad because we have, like, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to get the plays uh, ready. Uh, 
the Sunday games are tough because we got to get up early on Saturday after getting back late or finishing up late on Friday night and then try to learn like 15 plays, 20 plays, 45 minutes before practice and make sure we're running it correctly so the guys are ready for the next day. Jack Brown? Yeah, I feel like our coaches really do a good job of getting us ready. So they always have us ready to know all the plays. It's And we've been doing it for a really long time now. So I'd say just learning the plays on the spot has been really easy for guys like us and helping guys like Ant Davis and Mike Rogan get it quicker because they're a little younger. So we just have a lot of help. Well, uh, Jay Young uh, has already extolled your virtues. Uh, Joe DeSantis, longtime player, Hall of Famer, and a longtime head coach. Unsung heroes, right? The walk-ons on the team. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I, I, um, you know, I, I, when we had the opening of the um, the new arena, we talked about this. I invited all the former players back and all the walk-ons back, and just uh, just relived or retalked about how important everybody was to that team. And uh, it's hard when you sit there and you don't play, but it's um, it's uh, commendable that you guys work hard every day. You know your role and it's very important to have good teammates, and uh, certainly you're part of that. Jack Brown did get some time, and hopefully you get some more time as uh, the season and your next season progresses. And uh, Jack Mullally, I know you were very disappointed that you were hurt. You didn't get to play against Coast Guard. You would have seen some good PT in that yeah. game, huh? Yeah, that's disappointing. That's all right. right. Believe me, we won't forget uh, what you guys have meant to this program. Uh, best of luck. Jack Mullally as you get ready to start the next phase of your career. And Jack Brown, thanks for joining us. We'll look forward to having you again for another season. Best of luck to both of you guys uh, down the stretch. Thank you. Thank you. And it's time now to answer that open court challenge. Uh, the question, uh, we thought about it because T.J. Long was 9 for 9 from the free throw line in the win against Mount. Uh, nice performance from the line, but uh, we asked two holes the Fairfield record for most free throws made and attempted in a single game. And the answer, Joe, was Troy Bradford. Ah, uh, okay. I was going to say Tony George. Yeah, it would have been a good say guess. Tony George. Troy uh, was a great free throw shooter, as you were. Uh, he was 21 for 23 in a 92 to 75 victory over Iona 35 years ago. On February 6, 1988, he scored 35 points in that game, which was uh, one off of his career mark of uh, 36, which he had scored a month earlier in a win over Lehigh. Hard to believe that Troy Bradford, that's 35 years ago, Joe. That is, that is, he and he doesn't look that old. He looks like he'd probably still play. No, right. And by the way, he's got the best 10-year-old son in the country. <laughs> you recruiting you him? You see this kid play. Jay, is he, is he on your radar? We, we offered. We offered. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's being done, isn't it? <laughs> the uh, junior high school kids getting scholarship offers these days. Well, that'll do it for this edition of Open Court with Jay Young. Next up for the Stags, Maris Friday night. Back home to play Manhattan on Sunday afternoon. Then it's the Buffalo trip before wrapping up the regular season with a game against Quinnipiac here at home. And our next podcast will drop right before that game against Quinnipiac, which is on a Thursday night at the Mahoney Arena on March the 2nd. And in that last podcast, right around the time of that Quinnipiac game, we will include a preview of the MAC tournament. So for Jay Young and for our guests, Jack Brown and Jack Blally, and for the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis, and our great producer here, Ryan Moynihan, I'm Bob Eusler. Thanks for listening to Open Court.
The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.